Section 10 of Sintram and His Companions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sintram and His Companions by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet. Translated by F. E. Bennett. Chapter 25 the baron and his lovely lady were sailing across the broad sea with favouring gales of spring nay the coast of normandy had already appeared above the waves but still was bjorn of the fiery eyes sitting gloomy and speechless in his castle he had taken no leave of his guests there was more of proud fear of montfaucon than of reverential love for him in his soul especially since the adventure with the bull's head and the thought was bitter to his haughty spirit that the great baron the flower and glory of their whole race should have come in peace to visit him and should now be departing in displeasure in stern reproachful displeasure he had it constantly before his mind and it never failed to bring fresh pangs the remembrance of how all had come to pass and how all might have gone otherwise and he was always fancying he could hear the songs in which after generations would recount this voyage of the great Folco and the worthlessness of the savage Bjorn. At length, full of fierce anger, he cast away the fetters of his troubled spirit. He burst out of the castle with all his horsemen, and began to carry on a warfare more fearful and more lawless than any in which he had yet been engaged. Sintram heard the sound of his father's war-horn, and committing the stone fortress to old Rolf, he sprang forth ready armed for the combat. But the flames of the cottages and farms on the mountains rose up before him, and showed him, written as if in characters of fire, what kind of war his father was waging. Yet he went on towards the spot where the army was mustered, but only to offer his mediation, affirming that he would not lay his hands on his good sword, in so abhorred a service, even though the stone fortress and his father's castle besides should fall before the vengeance of their enemies. Bjorn hurled the spear which he held in his hand against his son with mad fury. The deadly weapon whizzed past him. Sintram remained standing with his visor raised. He did not move one limb in his defence when he said, Father, do what you will, but I join not in your godless warfare. Bjorn of the fiery eyes laughed scornfully. It seems I am always to have a spy over me here. My son succeeds to the daintly French knight. But nevertheless he came to himself, accepted Sintram's mediation, made amends for the injuries he had done, and returned gloomily to his castle. Sintram went back to the rocks of the moon. Such occurrences were frequent after that time. It went so far that Sintram came to be looked upon as the protector of all those whom his father pursued with relentless fury, but nevertheless sometimes his own wildness would carry the young knight away to accompany his fierce father in his fearful deeds. Then Bjorn used to laugh with horrible pleasure, and to say, See there, my son, how the flames we have lighted blaze up from the villages, as the blood spouts up from the wounds our swords have made. It is plain to me— however much thou mayst pretend to the contrary that thou art and will ever remain my true and beloved heir after thus fearfully erring sintram could find no comfort but in hastening to the chaplain of drontheim and confessing to him his misery and his sins the chaplain would freely absolve him after due penance and repentance and again raise up the broken-hearted youth but would often say oh how nearly hast thou reached thy last trial 
and gained the victory and looked on verena's countenance and atoned for all now thou hast thrown thyself back for years think my son on the shortness of man's life if thou art always falling back anew how wilt thou ever gain the summit of this side the grave years came and went and rion's hair was white as snow and the youth sintram had reached the middle age old rolf was now scarcely able to leave the stone fortress and sometimes he said i feel it a burden that my life should yet be prolonged but also there is much comfort in it for i still think the good god has in store for me here below some great happiness and it must be something in which you are concerned my beloved sir sintram for what else in the whole world could rejoice me but all remained as it was and sintram's fearful dreams at christmas time each year rather increased than diminished in horror again the holy season was drawing near and the mind of the sorely afflicted knight was more troubled than ever before sometimes if he had been reckoning up the nights till it should come a cold sweat could stand on his forehead while he said mark my words dear old foster-father this time something most awfully decisive lies before me one evening he felt an overwhelming anxiety about his father it seemed to him that the prince of darkness was going up to beorn's castle and in vain did rolf remind him that the snow was lying deep in the valleys in vain did he suggest that the knight might be overtaken by his frightful dreams in the lonely mountains during the night-time nothing can be worse to me than remaining here would be replied sintram he took his horse from the stable and rode forth in the gathering darkness the noble steed slipped and stumbled and fell in the trackless way but his rider always raised him up and urged him only more swiftly and eagerly towards the object which he longed and yet dreaded to reach nevertheless he might never have arrived at it had not his faithful hound skovmark kept with him the dog sought out the lost track for his beloved master and invited him into it with joyous barkings and warned him by his howls against precipices and treacherous ice under the snow thus they arrived about midnight at beyond's castle the windows of the hall shone opposite to them with a brilliant light as though some great feast were kept there and confused sounds as of singing met their ears sintram gave his horse hastily to some retainers in the courtyard and ran up the steps while skovmark stayed by the well-known horse a good esquire came towards sintram within the castle and said god be praised my dear master that you are come for surely nothing good is going on above but take heed to yourself also and be not deluded your father has a guest with him and as i think a hateful one sintram shuddered as he threw open the doors a little man in the dress of a miner was sitting with his back towards him the armour had been for some time passed again ranged around the stone table so that only two places were left empty the seat opposite the door had been taken by beorn of the fiery eyes and the dazzling light of the torches fell upon his features with so red a flare that he perfectly enacted that fearful surname father whom have you here with you cried sintram and his suspicions rose to certainty as the miner turned round and the detestable face of the little master grinned from under his dark hood yes just see my fair son said the wild bjorn thou hast not been here for a long while and so to-night this jolly comrade has paid me a visit and thy place has been taken but throw one of the suits of armour out of the way and put a seat for thyself instead of it 
and come and drink with us and be merry yes do so sir sintram said the little master with a laugh nothing worse could come of it than that the broken pieces of armour might clatter somewhat strangely together or at most that the disturbed spirit of him to whom the suit belonged might look over your shoulder but he would not drink up any of our wine ghosts have nothing to do with that so now fall to bjorn joined in the laughter of this hideous stranger with wild mirth and while sintram was mustering up his whole strength not to lose his senses at so terrible words and was fixing a calm steady look on the little master's face the old man cried out why dost thou look at him so does it seem as though thou sawest thyself in a mirror now that you are together i do not see it so much but a while ago i thought that you were like enough to each other to be mistaken god forbid said sintram walking up close to the fearful apparition i command thee detestable stranger to depart from this castle in right of my authority as my father's heir as a consecrated knight and as a spirit bjorn seemed as if he wished to oppose himself to this command with all his savage might the little master muttered to himself thou art not by any means the master in this house pious knight thou hast never lighted a fire on this hearth then sintram drew the sword which gabriel had given him held the cross of the hilt before the eyes of his evil guest and said calmly but with a powerful voice worship or fly and he fled the frightful stranger he fled with such lightning speed that it could scarcely be seen whether he had sprung through the window or the door but in going he overthrew some of the armour the tapers went out and it seemed that the pale blue flame which lighted up the hall in a marvellous manner gave a fulfilment to the little master's former words and that the spirits of those to whom the armour had belonged were leaning over the table grinning fearfully both the father and the son were filled with horror but each chose an opposite way to save himself bjorn wished to have his hateful guest back again and the power of his will was seen when the little master's step resounded anew on the stairs and his brown shrivelled hand shook the lock of the door on the other hand sintram ceased not to say within himself we are lost if he come back we are lost to all eternity if he come back and he fell on his knees and prayed fervently from his troubled heart to father son and holy ghost then the little master left the door and again mjorn willed him to return and again sintram's prayers drove him away so went on this strife of wills throughout the long night and howling whirlwinds raged the while around the castle till all the household thought the end of the world was come at length the dawn of morning appeared through the windows of the hall the fury of the storm was lulled bjorn sank back powerless in slumber on his seat peace and hope came to the inmates of the castle and sintram pale and exhausted went out to breathe the dewy air of the mild winter's morning before the castle gates chapter twenty six the faithful skovmark followed his master caressing him and when sintram fell asleep on a stone seat in the wall he laid his feet keeping watchful guard suddenly he pricked up his ears looked round with delight and bounded joyfully down the mountain just afterwards the chaplain of drontheim appeared amongst the rocks and the good beast went up to him as if to greet him and then again ran back to the knight to announce the welcome visitor sintram opened his eyes as a child whose christmas gifts have been placed at his bedside 
for the chaplain smiled at him as he had never yet seen him smile. There was in it a token of victory and blessing, or at least of the near approach of both. Thou hast done much yesterday, very much, said the holy priest, and his hands were joined and his eyes full of bright tears. I praise God for thee, my noble knight. Verena knows all, and she too praises God for thee. I do indeed now dare hope that the time will soon come when thou mayst appear before her. But Sintram, Sir Sintram, there is need of haste, for the old man above requires speedy air, and thou hast still a heavy, as I hope the last, yet a most heavy trial to undergo for his sake. Arm thyself, my knight, arm thyself even with bodily weapons. In truth, this time only spiritual armour is needed, but it always befits a knight, as well as a monk, to wear in decisive moments the entire solemn garb of his station. If it so please thee, we will go directly to Drontheim together. Thou must return thence to-night. Such is a part of the hidden decree, which has been dimly unfolded to Verena's foresight. Here there is yet much that is wild and distracting, and thou hast great need to-day of calm preparation. With humble joy Sintram bowed his assent, and called for his horse, and for a suit of armour. Only, added he, let not any of that armour be brought, which was last night overthrown in the hall. His orders were quickly obeyed. The arms which were fetched, adorned with fine engraved work, the simple helmet, formed rather like that of an esquire than a knight, the lance of almost gigantic size, which belonged to the suit. On all this the chaplain gazed in deep thought, and with melancholy emotion. At last, when Sintram, with the help of his esquires, was well nigh equipped, the holy priest spoke. Wonderful providence of God! See, dear Sintram, this armour and this spear were formerly those of Sir Vigan the Slender, and with them he did many mighty deeds. When he was tended by your mother in the castle, and when even your father still showed himself kind towards him, he asked as a favour that his armour and his lance should be allowed to hang in Bjorn's armoury. Vagan himself, as you well know, intended to build a cloister and to live there as a monk, and he put his old squire's helmet with it, instead of another, because he was yet wearing that one when he first saw the fair Verena's angelic face. How wondrously does it now come to pass that these very arms, which have so long been laid aside, should be brought to you for the decisive hour of your life. To me, as far as my short-sighted human wisdom can tell, to me it seems truly a very solemn token, but one full of high and glorious promise. Sintram stood now in complete array, composed and stately, and, from his tall slender figure, might have been taken for a youth, had not the deep lines of care which furrowed his countenance shown him to be advanced in years. "'Who has placed bows on the head of my war-horse?' asked Sintram of the esquires, with displeasure. "'I am not a conqueror, nor a wedding-guest. And besides, there are not bows now, but those red and yellow crackling oak-leaves, dull and dead like the season itself.' "'Sir Knight, I know not myself,' answered an esquire but it seems to me that it must be so. Let it be, said the chaplain, I feel that this also comes as a token full of meaning from the right source. Then the knight threw himself into his saddle. The priest went beside him, and they both rode slowly and silently towards Strondheim. 
the faithful dog followed his master when the lofty castle of drontheim appeared in sight a gentle smile spread itself over sintram's countenance like sunshine over a wintry valley god has done great things for me said he i once rushed from here a fearfully wild boy i now come back a penitent man i trust that it will yet go well with my poor troubled life the chaplain assented kindly and soon afterwards the travellers passed under the echoing vaulted gateway into the castle-yard at a sign from the priest the retainers approached with respectful haste and took charge of the horse then he and sintram went through long winding passages and up many steps to the remote chamber which the chaplain had chosen for himself far away from the noise of men and near to the clouds and the stars there the two passed a quiet day in devout prayer and earnest reading of holy scripture when the evening began to close in the chaplain arose and said and now my knight get ready thy horse and mount and ride back again to thy father's castle a toilsome way lies before thee and i dare not go with you but i can and will call upon the lord for you all through the long fearful night o beloved instrument of the most high thou wilt yet not be lost thrilling with strange forebodings but nevertheless strong and vigorous in spirit sintram did according to the holy man's desire the sun set as the night approached the long valley strangely shut in by rocks through which lay the road to his father's castle chapter twenty seven before entering the rocky pass the knight with a prayer and thanksgiving looked back once more at the castle of drontheim there it was so vast and quiet and peaceful the bright windows of the chaplain's high chamber yet lighted up by the last gleam of the sun which had already disappeared in front of sintram was the gloomy valley as if his grave then there came towards him someone riding on a small horse and skovmark who had gone up to the stranger as if to find out who he was now ran back with his tail between his legs and his ears put back howling and whining and crept terrified under his master's war-horse but even the noble steed appeared to have forgotten his one so fearless and warlike ardour he trembled violently and when the knight would have turned him towards the stranger he reared and snorted and plunged and began to throw himself backwards it was only with difficulty that sintram's strength and horsemanship got the better of him and he was all wide with foam when sintram came up to the unknown traveller you have cowardly beasts with you said the latter in a low smothered voice sintram was unable in the ever-increasing darkness rightly to distinguish what kind of being he saw before him only a very pallid face which at first he had thought was covered with freshly fallen snow met his eyes from amidst the long hanging garments it seemed that the stranger carried a small box wrapped up his little horse as if wearied out bent his head down towards the ground whereby a bell which hung from the wretched torn bridle under his neck was made to give a strange sound after a short silence sintram replied noble steeds avoid those of a war's race because they are ashamed of them and the boldest dogs are attacked by a secret terror at sight of forms to which they are not accustomed i have no cowardly beasts with me good sir knight then ride with me through the valley i am going through the valley but i want no companions but perhaps i want one do you not see that i am unarmed 
and at this season at this hour there are frightful unearthly beasts about just then as though to confirm the awful words of the stranger a thing swung itself down from one of the nearest trees covered with hoar-frost no one could say if it were a snake or a lizard it curled and twisted itself and appeared about to slide down upon the knight or his companion sintram levelled his spear and pierced the creature through but with the most hideous contortions it fixed itself firmly on the spear head and in vain did the knight endeavour to rub it off against the rocks or the trees then he let his spear rest upon his right shoulder with a point behind him so that the horrible beast no longer met his sight and he said with good courage to the stranger it does seem indeed that i could help you and i am not forbidden to have an unknown stranger in my company so let us push on bravely into the valley help so resounded the solemn answer not help i perhaps may help thee but god have mercy upon thee if the time should ever come when i could no longer help thee then thou wouldst be lost and i should become very frightful to thee but we will go through the valley i have thy knightly word for it come they rode forward sintram's horse still showing signs of fear the faithful dog still whining but both obedient to their master's will the knight was calm and steadfast the snow had slipped down from the smooth rocks and by the light of the rising moon could be seen various strange twisted shapes on their sides some looking like snakes and some like human faces but they were only formed by the veins in the rocks and the half bare roots of trees which had planted themselves in that desert place with capricious firmness high above and at a great distance the castle of drontheim as if to take leave appeared again through an opening in the rocks the knight then looked keenly at his companion and he almost felt as if vacant the slender were riding beside him in god's name cried he art thou not the shade of that departed knight who suffered and died for verena i have not suffered i have not died but ye suffer and ye die poor mortals murmured the stranger i am not vagant i am that other who was so like him and whom thou hast also met before now in the wood sintram strove to free himself from the terror which came over him at these words he looked at his horse it appeared to him entirely altered the dry many-coloured oak leaves on his head were waving like the flames around a sacrifice in the uncertain moonlight he looked down again to see after his faithful skovmark fear had likewise most wondrously changed him on the ground in the middle of the road were lying dead men's bones and hideous lizards were crawling about and in defiance of the winter season poisonous mushrooms were growing up all around can this be still my horse on which i am riding said the knight to himself in a low voice and can that trembling beast which runs at my side be my dog then someone called after him in a yelling voice stop stop take me also with you looking round sintram perceived a small frightful figure with horns and a face partly like a wild boar and partly like a bear walking along on its hind legs which were those of a horse and in its hand was a strange hideous weapon shaped like a hook or a sickle it was the being who had been wont to trouble him in his dreams and alas it was also the wretched little master himself who laughing wildly stretched out a long claw towards the knight 
the bewildered Sintram murmured, I must have fallen asleep, and now my dreams are coming over me. Thou art awake, replied the rider of the little horse, but thou knowest me also in thy dreams, for behold, I am death. And his garments fell from him, and there appeared a mouldering skeleton, its ghastly head crowned with serpents. That which he had kept hidden under his mantle was an hourglass with the sun almost run out. Death held it towards the night in his fleshless hand. The bell at the neck of the little horse gave forth a solemn sound. It was a passing bell. "'Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit,' prayed Sintram, and full of earnest devotion he rode after Death, who beckoned him on. "'He has thee not yet, he has thee not yet,' screamed the fearful fiend. "'Give thyself up to me, rather, in one instant, for swift are thy thoughts, swift is my might.' In one instant thou shalt be in Normandy. Helen yet blooms in beauty as when she departed hence, and this very night she would be thine. And once again he began his unholy praises of Gabriel's loveliness, and Sintram's heart glowed like wild fire in his weak breast. Death said nothing more, but raised the hourglass in his right hand, yet higher and higher, and as the sun now ran out more quickly, a soft light streamed from the glass over Sintram's countenance, and then it seemed to him as if eternity in all its calm majesty were rising before him, and a world of confusion dragging him back with a deadly grasp. "'I command thee, wild form that followest me,' cried he, "'I command thee in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to cease from thy seducing words, and to call thyself by that name by which thou art recorded in holy writ.' A name more fearful than a thunderclap burst despairingly from the lips of the tempter, and he disappeared. "'He will return no more,' said Death in a kindly tone. "'And now I am become wholly thine, my stern companion?' "'Not yet, my Sintram. I shall not come to thee till many, many years are past. But thou must not forget me the while.' "'I will keep the thought of this steadily before my soul.' thou fearful yet wholesome monitor thou awful yet loving guide oh i can truly appear very gentle and so it proved indeed his form became more softly defined in the increasing gleam of light which shone from the hourglass the features which had been awful in the sternness wore a gentle smile the crown of serpents became a bright palm wreath instead of the horse appeared a white misty cloud in the moonlight and the bell gave forth sounds as of sweet lullabies. Sintram thought he could hear these words amidst them. The world and Satan are overcome. Before thee gleams eternal light. Warrior who hast won the strife, save from darkest shades of night, him before whose aged eyes all my terrors soon shall rise. The knight well knew that his father was meant and he urged on his noble steed, which now obeyed his master willingly and gladly, and the faithful dog also again ran beside him fearlessly. Death had disappeared, but in front of Sidram there floated a bright morning cloud, which continued visible after the sun had risen clear and warm in the bright winter sky. End of section 10